Testing. Testing. Yo, 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 yo. It's yo. Kid Rock. <laughs> I have one question for you initially. Kid Rock. Why is there nothing but alcohol in the fridge and this one Gatorade Zero? I uh, there's no caffeine. There's no water. <laughs> there's, there's literally there, alcohol. There, so I'm. Are we? Are you? Are we on? We're on. I uh, I'm moving out of my house, and I thought it'd be easy because you just. I'm just supposed. To, I'm selling it with all the furniture, but um, <laughs> when you have five refrigerators and you stock it up for the lake every weekend, you have a lot of loose beverages, and so um, I gave half to. Haley and uh, the other rest put here, and it just happened to be a lot of alcohol and like a couple of loose Gatorades. Yeah, a lot of a lot of alcohol. Gatorade. There's a lot of liquor in the warehouse too. Nice. Well, it sounds like we're having a warehouse party. All right, so we we finally uh we're finally sitting down to do our inaugural episode of <laughs> the TBD podcast. Is that get get TBD? filled? Could be get filled. I thought it was raunchy boys. Could be raunchy boys. I want to see. All right, so <clears throat> we've raunchy we've had this podcast. Raunchy, to- raunchy toys. I'll get there, you know. <laughs> is that the TV that we're watching on <laughs> yeah. the box? Yeah. So this is our first episode. We're trying to decide exactly the format of what what the future of this show is going to be, but we had to just break the seal. We're uh, um <laughs> taking name suggestions, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What we want to do in this episode is give some context to uh, how how we got here. How how do we end up on this podcast? You know, that's that's what the people at home really really want to know. Um, do they? You know, they see they see the cars. not yet, but maybe like a year from now. They come on the boat. They go on the lake with you. They're like, who is? I this think people just want to hear hear what goes on inside of my head. They they think I'm intelligent, <laughs> and I'm not. And so like. I mean, they might right now. Really, you want to hear out loud what goes on inside your head on the podcast? Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, if people are wondering, like, what goes on in my head, like, they might think I'm smart. They don't know you like I know you. I'm pretty so maybe stupid. that's a good place to start. I'm pretty stupid. I know that, but you know, we everyone else. Is, I think that's the, the point of this. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's let's bring them back. You know, how did we first meet? I remember what was it five years ago? We had a was phone, it five years? We had a phone call. It was something like that. We'll just say five. Years I remember the phone call. I remember the phone call. I was, you know, I was actually at uh, Sir Walter's or whatever it's called in Raleigh. I was pulling up, and I think who you did a photo shoot with Linus or something. How did we first connect? I don't. Maybe it was I did a th- something with Linus. I feel like I was trying to poach Linus from you or something. I did something with Linus, and then Linus maybe was doing something with you, and then I think he like connected us or something. We should have brought, pulled up our DMs. It had something to do with digital marketing. I think we were both trying to be seven figure. Is that a double entendre? Pull up our DMs, but it's about digital marketing. I mean, we definitely were like it was like a phone call. And we were both like. I just remember I was pulling out of Starbucks, and you were like trying to flex on me. You're like, yeah, yeah you're I'm making so, me. I'm making so much money now. It's like, I'm man, just... have you seen my LinkedIn profile? <laughs> Do you see how many credentials I have on here? You, you said, uh, like, yeah, I'm just making so much money now. I'm just like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I was like, <laughs> damn, 
I'm just fucking leaving Starbucks, dog. <laughs> like, I'm fucking nobody. You're like, that's man. crazy because I'm also making so much money that I'm also throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, but I didn't say it. You said, I was like, damn, he's trying to stun on me, dude. Yeah. And you had the Camaro at that time. So I was like, damn, <laughs> he's making it. He's really balling. <laughs> I thought you were balling. I was like, damn, he's balling. Man, it's a 12 month You had me, dude. You had me. Yeah, I had you good. And then Linus picked me and. Might have been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I had the, we had the same Sorry. thought process. I was like, "Oh, this guy's really talented and creative." That was like that office. Yeah. Like when I got the office, that's like when I went and looked there. I was like, "Oh, this is way underpriced." Like for what it was, I was like, "It's too expensive for me." But for what it is, I was like, "This is like anywhere now." That office now, like that's in Charlotte. Like that's yeah. Oh, that'd be expensive. five, six a grand a month. You know, it was like. I don't know, eighteen hundred dollars or something. I forgot what it was, but I'll it was have to pull up some pictures of the office. All right, so we'll 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 give some context because right now this is just, just we're totally derailed from anyone knowing what we're talking about. Talking about throwing shit at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're throwing shit at the mic right now. <laughs> yeah. All right, so basically, Philip and I first met like what five? We'll say it was five years ago or something like that. Something like that. And at the time, we were both kind of like digital marketing. Figuring, figuring out what we were going to be doing with our lives. We both had a lot of skills. We, we connected and got along because we had a lot of similar skills and, and resonated from like a... Yeah, you're doing a lot of digital content creation, social media. I was doing that also, but mine was more wrapped around. I was making a lot of products and doing branding. Yeah. So we just thought, you know, like, hey, this guy's cool, you know, kind of understands, speaks the lingo. I don't think you said this guy's cool. You're like, how could I use this guy? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, we didn't really, when we first talked, we didn't really go anything further than that. But we were on each other's radar. And then fast forward, maybe like another year, I had a little agency and I was like, you know, I watched uh, some Gary Vee content or something. He was like, no big business ever didn't have an office. So I was like, I guess I need an office. Yeah, this is when Gary Vee started, started trending, but only to people that were like looking for that kind of like content. This is before yeah. everybody knew who Gary Vee was, and Gary Vee was just starting to get some traction. And, like, if you were looking for that type of content or person online, like, you would see his shit. Yeah. But he was not who Gary Vee is today. So, yeah, and at this time, like, you know, you had the office, and, like, what were you doing? You were just your, – your thought was, when the office was, like, what? I was, running an, I was running an agency. I was building a lot of websites. I was doing e-com. I was uh, outsourcing a lot of the development – I basically pitch people on like a website and then they would ask me like, oh, do you know like Python development? And in my head, I'm like, fuck no. But I'm like, that we, I can make some money. So I'd say like, yeah, I can, but we'd need to re-quote this. And then I would just farm it out to somebody and they would quote me, I don't know, two grand for the work. And then I would be like, well, if it's two grand in India to do, then it's probably 10 grand here. I think it's 10 grand, like, oh, our budget's eight. I'm like, let's meet at nine. Yeah, that's what I so was. So you're just doing. good. At, you were basically really good at selling, but you're also like really I was great creative. at sales. I've always been good at sales. So I just did sales and I sold it and I created like the brand and like the aesthetic of the company. Yeah. And then I was just like, I don't want to do the work, but I can manage people and I can manage expectations. So like, I know what the end result needs to be, and if they, as long as they give me the guidance of like what they want done, then I knew how to outsource. Mm-hmm. And then so you had – so what was the reason you got the office then? That's I got the say. office because I wanted I, – and that's still to this day. I'm doing the same shit. Uh, it's like I'm always looking for a creative space. Like I'm from Chapel Hill. Like back then it's like this is a frat town. So it's like there's no creative space. Nobody's thinking like me. And I just wanted an environment other than my house 
that was like my own where I could create a space where it's like I could do a podcast or I could have uh you know work on clothing and have a sample room or um get together with people and like have a team that's building websites or whatever just an environment that's like conducive to being creative and so like yeah. that's what I wanted to do but when I got the space again it's like still I'm still doing this shit now it's like I don't know like there's te- there's 10 steps to getting the end result like I don't know the nine other steps i just like step one is like all right just sign this fucking lease <laughs> i'm like i don't so, i don't so even know if i have enough was... money n- enough money next month of the month after the pay for this like i might be able to float this for two months it's like i'll have two months to figure out how to make the money for month three and four and five just walk out of this place and never talk to these guys again. yeah it's like i mean and like my th- then is like my credit score wasn't great and like i was just like whatever like fuck it you know so basically you had this space philip starts posting this on social media you know it's got this like big vinyl thing on the floor it's just crazy. i'm like this guy's got it figured out i'm like i just need to go and work out of his space so this I, office was cool with this the it was out, super cool. outside was like industrial and then the inside was super cool it was like three four floors but the office that I chose, because I looked at a couple, and the one that I chose was the only one you got off the elevator on like the third floor. The whole front to the hallway was glass, so you could see inside, and it was super open and just like it was a super open work concept. Every other office in that place was had drywall, so if you walked out, it was just like a door. You didn't know what the inside looked at at all. So it was every time people got off the elevator, they saw the space. So I had this like super big vinyl on the ground. I did a huge one from China. It was like. It said create or something like that with the arrow. Yeah, it was cool. And I was like setting up tables, but I really just had like one desk. I think I bought a slab door. That's what it was. I bought legs, metal legs off uh, Etsy. And then I, I went to, and days. then I went to Lowe's. <laughs> I went to Lowe's and I got a slab door and I got the solid slab door and I drilled the legs in myself and like made my own like cool modern yeah, you had that like leather couch in there. You had the and like, then I portal. ordered the couch. I got the couch. I remember the couch was a big expense. It was like seven hundred bucks. I was like, I really shouldn't be getting this couch. I was like, I need a couch. And then I got the lights, like the photo lights from Amazon. And that was it. And I didn't have shit else. I was like, damn, I really need some more. So I saw him here. posting this right on social media. I was like, this is the spot. I saw he had a little had like a little cubicle where it was like supposed to be a bre- like a break room or like. Maybe I just like a knew kitchen. that that space, the way it looked, I was like, if I post this and people see me in this, like, there's gonna it's somebody who doesn't vocalize that they are into this like space like creative space i want to work in it like if i show that somebody else is doing this there's gonna be other people who be like oh dan that's a cool space like i'd love to be there like it's like this an inviting environment and that's what happened well, like, what you was your inspo at the time like when you were like i want to create a space like what, what was like did you see other companies or like someone that you looked up to that was doing that that you're like no i, I was in like new york this. before that so okay. i went to new york for like i lived in new york for like a year and a half or whatever and I love New York, the hustle and bustle, but I love that vibe of like, a, you're like in a loft style space that's like really open concept. And you have these like kind of, you're just like DIY, put together, cool, I don't know, just kind of gritty office space. And that's what that space was. I was like, oh, this is super cool. Like polished concrete floors, like, you know, you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah, so that, was that was my thought. I was like, if I, if I have this space, other, if I post it, people that maybe don't have the means or the idea, or think that this doesn't exist here, may want to. Like Linus, you know, I've, I was like, oh, Linus is a creative, and he's kind of super introverted, and I'm pretty introverted. But I was like, if I post this, other people might like it. And that's what happened. You basically saw it, like, yo, that's a sick space. Yeah, there really wasn't anything else like it. I mean, I also, too, had been going to New York a lot, and like, but still kind of wanted to be home, and that's where I was building my business at the time. And it was. It was a super unique space. It was in Carborough, which is right on the outskirt of Chapel Hill, like next to UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah. 
and it was just super cool. And also, it just like happened to be priced correctly. So, long story short, you know, that's kind of where we. First I couldn't afford the space, and you reached out. I have out. the clip of it when we first. I have a clip. Maybe I'll integrate it into this. I have now. a photo on my Instagram. I had to look it up, but it's a photo of me holding the keys before the door. It was like it's like the thing is I may have like one like on it or something, but it was like the start of something new. And that really was like. Now I look back, that was like a huge start. Like then I was like, oh, yeah. the start of something new. Like I just have this space. And I'm but like, I have a clip of us it? meeting. Like when I when I first came and checked it out with Bogdan, I have a clip of us like meeting because that was like the first time we actually met in person. Yeah. And then there's like a bunch of stuff. So basically, I got in there and we started subleasing this space from Philip. And we did. Like I turned the little room into like I just like I I also didn't know the steps from nine through ten, but I was like, all right, step one's done. Let me do like step two and three, which is like throw some paint on the wall. Like yeah, uh, go and put a podcast you had the, you had desk. that wallpaper, and I was like, Dumb. yeah. So we like you know, the best was that was a Bogdan posted something that you guys were putting up a wallpaper like late at night, and I responded <laughs> story. And I was like, yeah. I hope you guys. I was are like, man, I was, on keeping <laughs> like, that up man there. yeah, it looks so bad. Yeah, it looks so. But we were doing this little show at the time called we called it Hometown Hustle, and we were just interviewing people. So like we we tried to create something in there, but we too we were at work, we were working on a budget, trying to figure stuff out and. I bring all that up to say, all right, like we started subleasing this space, but why, outside of the fact that you also wanted some other people in there to make it and create some different energy, like what this was also the start of the time that's kind of like kickstarted what has transpired till now. Yeah. Which, if correct me if I'm wrong, basically you were going and buying a popcorn machine on Facebook or something to this effect. So no, no, I was, back. there was, uh, so the uh, the other offices in there was like all sorts of shit. There was a, a freight forwarder in there that I would end up using. There's a lawyer, and this lady kept walking by. The the thing is like you get off the elevator, and the first office on the right was mine, and the whole wall was glass. So everybody that walked by to go to the, the other ten offices on that floor would always see our space, and it's like you couldn't see into the other spaces. So like you look in, and it's super open concept. We had the like kind of modern look mm-hmm. with the couch and all the lights. So like people walk by and just be like, oh, this like looks really cool. And I think they're also intrigued because it's like this, you don't see this in Carbro or mm-hmm. Chapel Hill. And so anyway, she was going to the lawyer next door for a while. It must have been like a few months. And one day she just walked in when I was in there and was like, hey, um, I'm just popping in. Like I keep walking by the space and it's just super intriguing. And like I'm just like finally worked up the courage to walk in and like ask what you guys do because like this looks really cool. You're like, what do you I, need done? Yeah. In my head, I'm like, what do you, Sales. you need? You, you want to start a clothing company or something? But, um, so anyway, she was, we, we just started talking and she was like, yeah, I'm, I actually, um, you know, I've been walking by, I haven't seen offices like this around here. This is a really cool space. Like it's, I just wonder what y'all are doing. Kind of gave a spiel. Like we, you know, we do a lot of digital marketing, branding, but a lot of web development, e-commerce. And this is at the time where like, Shopify was just kind of like started to catch traction and like big commerce and um, people were doing a lot of like still were doing a lot of WooCommerce and all that stuff. And so I was doing a lot of that. Um, and she was basically going next door to the lawyer to she was wholesaling houses. That's like the first time also I heard about wholesaling houses. So um, disclaimer, I don't wholesale houses. I did try, though. Um, but that aside, she was going to the lawyer, so she would. She was from California. She was a realtor, and she said that the market in Chapel Hill Carpro was booming, and she was finding a lot of deals here. So she was flying in for like three months at a time, finding houses, wholesaling them, netting like I don't know five to ten grand a house that she was wholesaling, and she'd use the lawyer for her clo- for doing the real estate closing. 
so she was telling me about that, and then she was like, yeah, and, you know, like some of the houses we, uh, if it's a really good deal and we see there's the, you know, the ARV is going to be good, um, we'll buy furniture, stage it, and then obviously try to make more money. And she basically, um, you know, told me that like, yeah, I was, you know, I'm buying furniture off of this liquidation website. And so I'm buying the furniture for pennies on the dollar from like Wayfair or whoever, staging the house. And then when we go to sell it, the people who like the staging may want to buy the furniture and I'll sell it to them for discounts. So if she's buying it for like 10% of retail or 15% of retail, she might sell it to them for 30, but to them it's like 70% off. So it's like a, a deal deal. She was like, it's a win, 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 win. And um, while we were having these conversations, she was trying to pitch me on a popcorn company. We might as well segue into the popcorn. Yeah. So I knew she was, was actually popcorn related in here. Yeah. Somehow. So she was like, as we were kind of, I was talking about wholesaling, all these things, and this is like over a couple of weeks. Uh, but she was uh, talking about she wanted to launch this popcorn company, and there's just really good popcorn in Vegas, and there's like these like queen kernels. And She's like, every time I sell a house, I take all my money and I buy these kernels. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, apparently there's different kind of kernels of popcorn and stuff. Um, special kernels of popcorn where you get these like really fluffy, I don't know. Anyways, there's a company in Vegas. She said the popcorn's amazing. So we ordered a bunch of popcorn. She brought it in. I was trying it. And then we were actually going to like different malls and trying, seeing vendors that are selling popcorn like in the little stands and stuff, like trying popcorn. And she like was popcorn? Trying, so yeah. The, okay. She was trying to like come up with like flavors and this stuff and talk about the business model. And I was like, yeah, I might go like 50-50 with this lady on this popcorn. Granted, I'm like, I don't have enough money to give it to her, but she was going to do the money, and I was going to help with the branding, the marketing, e-commerce, because she wanted to do, like, shipping actual popcorn. And Anyways, that never panned out. Um, but when she showed me that liquidation website, where she was buying the furniture, one of my competitors now, um, I was just looking on there. I was like, man, they sell all sorts of stuff. I mean, like baby clothes and furniture and plateware and appliances and... I mean, everything, tools, and um, I basically looked on it. I was like, I don't think I can make money with any of this stuff except for the appliances. I was looking, I'm like, there's appliances on here that's like a $3,000 fridge, and I get it for like 300 bucks. I'm like, I don't know how you know messed up it is, but worst case, if I buy this, I could try to make some money, and if I can't, I probably could sell it for what I bought it for because it's that cheap. <coughs> and... um that's basically the start of how I started this company. I used my credit card, bought some, learned some, you know, mistakes along the way. Um, and I remember uh, there's a lot of days. So, like, basically by the time I subleased the office space from you, you were starting to drive, like, all the time. You were never there. I was, like, going into it thinking, like, Phil's going to be here all the time. We're yeah. about to do a podcast. Yeah. Five years ago, this dude is, like, literally driving. I'd be like, yeah, where are you at? He's like, oh, I'm driving back from Atlanta. I'm like, what? Wait, didn't you just leave Atlanta like this morning? You know, so you're doing like. So I basically um, I bought the appliances. I bought it from a competitor, and you could buy one appliance at a time. So I bought a, like two or three or something um, on, and it was auction style, I think. And it, stuff was in Wilkesboro, North Carolina, and I thought in my head I didn't know anything. So like in my head I was like, oh, this is gonna be shipped to me. And then, you know, like they were like, no, you can either come pick it up. Or, you know, you need to set up your own freight. And I was like, well, I don't know shit about freight. I need you guys to ship it to me. So um, they ended up, the first one didn't ship. I went and got picked it up. I picked it up. They just loaded it on the back of a truck. I used my buddy to go up there and pick it up. And then um, I sold those. And I think I was just trying to make like 50 bucks, 100 bucks, something easy. And 
then I got another one and they, I ordered more and I had them deliver it. And they delivered it in the parking lot of this fucking office. People were pissed. I mean, I had pallets just in like the bottom area because it was like, you know, so it didn't rain. And there's like, this is not an industrial site. Like, you can't have pallets in appliances or like light. I was buying some lighting and stuff like that. Um, but anyways, I real fast I went from that. I was like, you know, the biggest challenge I found was like quality and consistency. I'm like ordering one by one, and one's really good, and then one's beat to shit, and one's moldy and ten years old. And I was like, I can't, I can't scale this. Where you where were you selling them at first? You just buy them and what? Like I'd buy it. I had a, a uh, my dad had a, a warehouse space in Durham. And so I was able to take dock deliveries there. So I'd send it to Durham, unload it, and I would just tell him, like, hey, I don't actually need to store it in my dad's space that he has. I'm just like, I have somebody. I'll, you know, come in Friday, I'll sell it by the weekend. And so um, I'd have it there, and I'd just post it on, like, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. Um, and as I was buying more and more, I started using Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace a lot more. And the cool thing about Facebook Marketplace at the time, before it got real trendy, was, like, you could reach out to somebody, you could capture the customer right away. So yeah, if I message like, you, what, like 2018, 2019? Yeah. yeah. Was it? yeah so like when I was uh, reaching out to people, it's like you could just message them right away, capture the customer, answer any questions, any objections. It's just like way easier than any other form of communication because it's like you're speaking to them directly and it's the customer, not mm-hmm. like through some other, you know, medium person or something like that. Yeah. So um, this was, what year was this? this that you started this then? This was like 2018 then, right? Remember that? Correctly? Nah, 2017? probably before that. 17, 2017, 16, yeah. 17, 17. So 2017, you're you're like maybe gonna start popcorn. You're gonna become like a popcorn overlord. Like you're gonna be the new Orville Redenbacher. Yeah. Turns out you start buying appliances and selling them. Yeah. So I went from that to like uh, I was like, how can I buy this by the truckload? And then I went to our other competitor and bought it by the truckload, but they still had some of the issues. I was buying at scale. I could buy like you're still on credit, or you're just like you're actually making profit now, or what? I was making money, but I was like, I'm still like, well, I'm gonna use my credit card, like you know, that gives me 30 days between buying it and selling it. Um, but that was the thing, I was getting truckloads, and it was like, then I started learning about freight, so I was like, one, freight's inconsistent, like coming in, you're supposed to come in at 11 a.m., they don't show up, no communication, you're calling a broker, they don't have communication with the driver, and then I'm getting truckloads of stuff where it's like supposed to be new in box, you know. 10 units are beat to shit. Like, how do I get my money back? Learning about the credits and claims process, which was completely broken, but all my competitors just do a terrible job at that. Um, just finding all these little nuances where the issue was. And I was using the freight forwarder. So basically what I decided is like I was bringing stuff in um, and I would see all these inconsistencies, but I was like, you know, it's really tough to take this and sell on one person, unload this stuff, then create labels for it, you know, make sure everything's correct, and then post it all online, sell it individually, run these sales, meet people, mesh them. It's a lot for one person. You know, you're selling 50 units in a weekend, and you're the only guy doing it. It's, it becomes very cumbersome. So I was like, it'd be easier if I could just, like, bring this in or drop ship it, basically, um, and sell it to somebody. And then they're doing all that, and I don't have to worry about it. Now, I might make a little less money, but I could sell 10 trucks or whatever and only market up a thousand bucks and make 10 grand, you know, basically hands off versus like unloading it, sweat equity and all this stuff. It was like, it's just like, I don't have the infrastructure for this and I don't know how to put it together yet. Mm-hmm. But I definitely know what is wrong with the product. I definitely know what the customer is looking for. And I see there's a gap in like people getting availability of appliances that kind of hit the mark. Yeah. Um, 
So then, so from like when you started to then this point where you're buying truckloads and starting to like understand there's some problems in this whole space, how long was that time period? Is that like around when I moved into the space or like is this be like throughout that time? Yeah, I probably started to figure out like when y'all were moving into the space, like I was like starting to figure out, I started using the freight forwarder. Remember, I they're down the hallway was that mm-hmm. freight forwarder. So I was using them um, and they weren't a broker. They were a freight forwarder for stuff coming in from overseas or going out. But they had an MC. So, like, I was like, hey, you know, I'm moving some stuff. I have to use, like, a TQL or a CH Robinson, I think our competitor was using. And I was like, I just, like, don't like the service that we're getting. I was wondering if maybe you guys would book it for me. And then when I – what I was doing, I was basically getting the loads. And let's say they had five hour or five days for me to pick it up at the facility and ship it. In that time, I'd sell it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, if I'm doing that, I don't want to use the outside service. I kind of want to have a little more control. So I was using the people down the hallway from me to – you know, uh, basically quote our customer the price, when it could get picked up and delivered. And then, like, I would basically at first I was doing it at cost because I just wanted control. I wanted to make sure the truck driver's on time. If he's not on time, that we can communicate with him. And so that I was using them to do that. And then I started realizing, like, hey, you know, like our rates are way cheaper than what the brokers are using. Like, we might as well make some money on top of this. So then I started collecting, I don't know, I think it was like 100 bucks a load or something. I was just marking up just to get extra, pad some of my margins or pad some, like if a customer had a claim, I'd have 100 bucks a leeway to kind of give them some money back. Um, and then from there, I just kind of started hitting the road. So I was like, I need to build more customers. So the only way I'm going to really get to be able to do more is I need to, one, lock in my supply, and two, I need to build out a bigger customer base. And the biggest thing about like competitors, they're so big that like they weren't visiting customers. Like people just yeah. knew them from online. It's an auction platform. So if I go visit customers in person, like they're gonna want to buy from me because nobody from those companies is going to visit them. They're just like they they think they're peons, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I remember the times that you were in the office. You were like on the phone, yelling, walking around like a madman, pacing around, like yeah. constantly, like had like fifty tabs open on Facebook, like messaging people back. But I do remember there was a time where you like had to fly out or you were like urgently flying out. Like you really were, you were on the go like all the time. And I you found, were like doing what it takes mode. Like I know. found a supplier. I found this guy on Facebook in Arizona that was selling truckloads. And I was trying to figure out where he was getting it from. He was getting it from this warehouse in Chicago at this L this company that was supposed to destroy LG product. And basically they were ripping the barcodes off and it was supposed to be destroy product, but they were reselling it as like scratch and dent mm-hmm. or customer returns. And I was like, dude, this could, I could lock in my supply. So I like flew out there. I was like, let me fly out there. I flew out there. I was in the middle of fucking nowhere. And I went there. These guys like did barely spoke a lick of English. They had a big ass warehouse and they had a ton of appliances, but that stuff was like really kind of dodgy, Shady. dodgy, and very like <laughs> illegal what they're doing. I mean, yeah. you're not supposed to sell appliances when you rip the VIN barcode off. Like there's no registering that product. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not meant for resale by any means. Um, but the biggest thing was I was just, reaching out to, I was like, I need to, once I, that didn't work out, I was reaching out to Lowe's. I was trying to reach out to Lowe's, Best Buy. I was trying to reach out on LinkedIn. And I basically like get loads from Lowe's inadvertently through my, you know, through my competitor. And I would find out distribution locations and stuff. I try to call them, just cold calling distribution centers for like six months, mm-hmm. nonstop. And like most of I call back, like, yeah, like, you know, I'd be like lying, but yeah, like Lowe's told me to call you guys. You might have some appliances that I want to pick up. Like just see like what would get me in the door. And like, everybody's like, ain't nobody from Lowe's corporate told you to fucking call here. Like poor <laughs> fucking distribution center. Like I'm not selling you shit. And everybody told me to fuck off. Literally probably for like five, five months I was doing it. I was just like, 
buzz off. And I was like, one day I'm going to just hit the right person. And I finally hit the right person in Wilkesboro, which is not far. Um, one of my competitors had a warehouse in Wilkesboro, and I saw there's a, literally a warehouse, and then in the backyard where the property line is, there's a Lowe's warehouse. And I was like, damn, that's how they have their in. Like, they're right next to each other. Like, that must be how they got the contract, which is totally not true. They just, it's cheap as fuck land. Like, and uh, I reached out to a guy. I recall, called him a couple times. I reached out to a guy there, and he was like, listen, I don't know who told you to call here, but you need to call this one guy. And he gave me a cell number. He's like, stop bugging me. Bug this guy. He was like, dude. <laughs> I, I don't know why people keep kind of so as, as I kept calling, I would just like learn little things. I'm like, yeah, well, I talked to this person here and they said maybe call here or whatever. And they're like, I don't know who told you to come here, but this is the guy you need to call. Mm-hmm. And this was the guy at Lowe's that was running all the reverse stuff. And uh, I called, left him a voicemail. I remember just vividly driving back from my warehouse in Raleigh after having like selling shit, sweating my ass off piece by piece. Driving back and I was at the Trader Joe's parking lot. It was like 7.30 at night and he called me back. I left him a voicemail. And uh, he was like, hey, I don't, you know, I got your voicemail. Um, tell me a little about yourself. I definitely was like a little hyperbole, like we're moving X amount of loads or whatever. I just wanted to sound like I was like important, like mm-hmm. I could be a solution for you. And he's like, listen, man, we got a lot of stuff. He's like, but, you know, like, uh, you know, I would love to get you some loads. They have to move pretty fast, yada, yada. He's like, you know, just one thing I got to tell you, like once you turn this faucet on, like it doesn't turn off. And I remember telling him, and I still, I still say it to him this day. I'm like, once you turn, I was like, he said that once you turn this faucet on, it won't turn off. And I told him, I'm Jesus in the desert. I'm thirsty as fuck, man. Like, <laughs> I will drink up all your water. And now I tell him, like, I got enough water for me because I just want more stuff. And then from there, I just scaled. I went to our freight people. When I, when I got those loads, I was like, I'm getting sent a list of, like, 30 lots, which is 15 truckloads. And I'm like, this is like, I have, like, first pick of the litter. It's, you know, it's not high grade. There's a mix of qualities. But I'm like, this is, like way more refined than what I've been buying. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is the source. Like now I've now gotten to the source where everybody yeah. else is, you know, where it's going through multiple brokers or whoever to get to me. And so I went to our, um, the freight forwarders down the hall and I basically told them, I was like, hey man, like we really need to start our own freight brokerage. Cause the hardest thing about a freight brokerage is having product to move. Mm-hmm. So for a first year you have, I didn't know this at the time, but basically the first year, like when you start a freight brokerage, like you don't have credit in the system, DAT or whatever, for a whole year. So you have a zero score. Nobody wants to work with you. Or like you're not getting loads or you're getting loads for you're not making any money. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like a battle. And the hardest thing is just finding people to like trust you to move their shit. And I was like, well, I could build a brokerage because like I have the shit. I have all the product to move and I'm currently outsourcing it, you know, to whoever or using my freight forward guys. I was like, they have this freight forward business. I'm sure they're making decent money. But I was like, dude, if I scale this, this would be a fucking big operation. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically told us, like, we need to start this freight brokerage. And that's what they, they just came to me. Like, listen, man, like, too much work, too much infrastructure. You're gonna, we're going to have to, we're a team of three here. We're going to have to be a team of 10. And like every excuse in the book as to why not. And uh, so I was like, all right, fine. It's be too much work. And I kept working with them. And then finally I hired my friend Rob. And he was working uh, in the mining and in the mining business in Florida, and I was like, he wanted to move to Colorado. I was like, bro, like quit your job. And I've been talking about it, like, loads, and like he threw me some money to buy one load once. We went in, I made he made like a couple grand off of it, and um, basically told him I was like, dude, fuck this, I'll pay you six figures. And I don't think I was make. I probably had made a hundred grand at that point, mm-hmm. but I was like, I made a hundred grand in a couple months. 
I can afford to pay this guy six figures. And worst case, I was like, if I can hire my friend and pay him six figures of the year and I'm making money and he's making six figures and the company makes zero, I was like, it's not a bad gig. We're both making a hundred grand a year and we work with each other. You know, I was like, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, you could put your LinkedIn, you could change your LinkedIn bio on that. Yeah, you know? six figure entrepreneur. Yeah. And um, so I hired him and I was like, first thing when he, I hired him, I was like, you need to figure out how to fucking start a freight brokerage. <laughs> This is the first thing I told him. Yeah. I was like, and he's smart. Like, I had dropped out. This dude is a fucking mining and mineral engineer from Virginia Tech. Like, dude's fucking smart. So before we go further, though, just for people out there, like, listening to this, going like, all right, yeah, this is awesome. Grit and persistence <laughs> and, like, being a problem solver. Like, there's probably a lot of people that are like, what the fuck is logistics, reverse logistics? Like, maybe give people a quick def- definition of, like, what it actually is that, you know, logistics does when it comes to like obviously there's a conglomerate of things but like what is like what was the solution that you were providing that made you sought after like when it that made people want to work with you from having gone and met them in person and then on the other end like created this relationship with with Lowe's so from a customer perspective I was meeting customers in person which they had never experienced I mean these other vendors like they don't care who the customer is they just care you're a buyer so they don't care like what your problems are, and they they're they're selling. They've never been the buyer, so they don't know what the challenges are. I, I knew it was like I was getting stuff. It was inconsistency in quality, inconsistency in freight, inconsistency in pricing, shitty claims process. And I'm like, you know, like if I had a claim for I got a load that I spent you know twelve grand on and a ten thousand dollar claim, and it takes ninety days to get my ten grand back. It's a small business. I'm like, I'm fucked. You know, mm-hmm. like that's it. I'm done for. And I was like, there's no way that as a business like that people can operate like this like i figured it out but i was like other people are, get crushed like this i was like there needs to be a better way um and so um you know from a customer perspective it was like i was meeting customers in person i'd meet them at the bank to like do a money transfer or whatever um and then i was also like i was the buyer so when i was doing my pitch as to why you should buy from us i'm like i would say all the things like like, well, hey, your prices are a little bit more expensive than this auction because it went for cheap last week. I was like, yeah, but don't you hate it when you get stuff and like half of it's you know supposed to be scratching it and half of it is customer returns or half of it's salvage, and then it takes ninety days to get a claim back. Mm-hmm. And they would, you know, they'd be like, yeah, hundred percent. Like, yeah, that's why we're more sure because you're not gonna have that issue with us. And like, granted, I'm like kind of, I knew I like bridged the gap on that. Like, I might just be like lying to get the sale, but knowing that like if that did push comes to shove, I would um, have to fulfill on that. But, uh, and then from the vendor, vendor standpoint, it's not like anything like proprietary. I was just like, I was moving stuff and then I would always ask for more. And this is at a time where like Lowe's really was just trying to figure out their reverse business. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, they had these providers, they didn't really care. They just like would get a contract. They weren't really trying to solve any of the issues that Lowe's was facing. They wouldn't try to solve any of the customer issues. They're just like getting the stuff and like, if issues came up, they would just like kick the can, kick the can, kick the can. And then Lowe's would get fed up and be like, hey, like, you guys are really fucking up this facility product sitting for too long. It's not moving fast enough or um, customers aren't buying and they're driving price down. And I'm like, if you solve some of the challenges, of the facility with sorting or got the claims process down and cared about your customer, cause you have to care about your customer making money. I was like, you could really like hone in this business and make it a lot more efficient. And that's basically what I was doing. I was like every week I'd be texting them nonstop. Like Sunday night, I have this dude's number. Mm-hmm. What are the loads? What do you have? You have anything else? What other facilities do you have? I'd have a customer. I'd reach. Out, I'd start going different states on Facebook Marketplace and reaching out to customers, just building out my network. You know, or they loads. I'd be like, hey, we have this oddball load in Indianapolis. 
do you do you want it? So I'd be like, yeah, let me just look at it. Like, give me an hour. And I would look for customers in Indianapolis to sell it to. And like, I'd have one customer that would buy. So I'd buy it, sell it to them and kind of like build out that network. And so like, I would just take on more as they would throw it or I'd just be begging for more. Mm -hmm. And they'd give me these little pockets and chances or the other vendor would fuck up and not pick up a load. Or I remember I had once where there was like a, a 18 wheeler from our competitor was going to deliver customer, like got in a wreck and mm-hmm. the trailer got sent to like a salvage yard in somewhere in South Carolina, but the, the Lowe's product was on there. And the guy called me and was like, Hey, like, you know, blah, 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 competitor had a load. He got in a wreck and just sitting in the salvage yard. They got it, their insurance on it. And so it's just sitting there. I'm pretty sure the product's really good. If you can get a customer to go there to the salvage yard, open the truck and transload it themselves. Like I'll sell you the load for super cheap. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. And so I did stuff like that where I was just like, I was always looking to solve their problem. So I knew if I could solve their hard problems or the things that nobody else wanted, that they would give me the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's basically the, was my business model. Like if I can solve your issues, same thing for my customer, then like, you're always going to be loyal to me, give me a chance, work with me. Um, like my first customer is still one of our biggest customers. And I sold him a load that I got from Best Buy from our competitor. And when he got it, it was full of mold. Everything was black mold inside. Mm-hmm. And he called me, he's like, you motherfucker. I'm going to call Amex, and they're going to fucking refund me. Like, you better fucking... I'm like, fuck, dude. I'm fucked. That's like... Also, I was like, damn, I need to have, like, a credit card authorization form with, Mm -hmm. like, you know, terms and conditions and, like, all these little things that you pick up along the way. But I gave him a full refund, and I did not. I was like, I really needed that money. But I gave him a full refund, and that's when I figured out the claims process. I went to the people, and I remember they owed me 10 grand, and I probably maybe got, like, three grand of it back mm-hmm. and they knew they were wrong especially scratching down they're like yeah well there's a variance i was like a variance isn't that 90 percent of the product is fucked yeah. like variance is like five percent mm-hmm. so it's just stuff like that but really it's just solving problems and then like you know like even like covid came like a lot of people stopped buying at first so they didn't know which way the market was going to go and i was like let's just i'm I was like, I'm gonna take a risk but like if any any facilities need stuff picked up or anybody's not picking up stuff or not buying let us know and they're like yeah we have a ton of people that aren't buying i'm like all right if i get this like and help you guys out. Like you're gonna obviously you're gonna help me out when people have a high demand or are still buying again. So that's yeah. basically how we got to this point right now. It's basically just liaisoning, <clears throat> liaisoning problems out of the people. Is that a word? Yeah. You're liaisoning. Liaisoning. Uh-huh. I mean, basically, you're just moving stuff that other people can't move. But like yeah, generally, I, when people say reverse logistics, you're selling like. Stuff that's been returned. Yeah, so like we, a we handle stuff that's yeah. We back. handle all the uh, damaged, overstock, uh, non-productive inventory category shifts. Uh, stuff that's salvage, basically depreciating unless it moves quickly. Dead inventory. Yeah. And they used to take stuff like that, and they would just run a forklift. They had a fridge. Somebody returned. They just run a forklift through it and put it because they didn't want to like, you know, put it in the market and like water down yeah. a brand or a certain product, but. They learned real fast at scale when you're lows and you basically take over the appliance market because Sears went out of business. They're like, yeah, that's like a really shitty business model. And that's a lot of like, especially when the like online and, you know, all this stuff changed. Like, man, like we really like, where are we losing money? I was like, they're losing money. Would you say that your your ability to like problem solve quickly was became really valuable because like the longer this stuff sits, the less valuable it becomes because it's like appliances specifically. It is the longer it sits, but it's also for them. It's like they have space issues. So even if Lowe's has two million square feet, let's say that they've allotted, I don't know, 40,000 to the reverse stuff. And they don't have a ton of space and they need it gone. So there's like, they want highest recovery possible, but also like if it takes you two weeks to pick it up at that point, it's like, it's not a, 
let's how much can we recover you know that get the max it's like i need this out of here it's mm-hmm. so like a lot of our vendors didn't get that like our competitors wouldn't get that it's like look they're just like put, trying to get price and then they, they would slaughter it's they cut price so much or like really water makes the product seem super cheap so mm-hmm. it's like this delicate balance between like getting it out fast and also trying to recover as much as possible and having good customer service and having freight on time like we have 48 hours to pick up product like Lowe's are just out. We have to move the product. I have to sell it within 48 hours, collect money within 48 hours, have freight pick it up, deliver it within 48 hours, make sure everything's good, pay our carrier. Like there's a kind of a lot of moving parts there. Yeah. And so that was started in 2016. It's now 2022, mm-hmm. halfway through the, more than halfway through the year. You know, since you started it until now, like how big has this enterprise become for you? Like, Obviously, you don't have to get super specific, but like generally speaking, like how has this I mean? Like when we met, basically, you were like, "I'm gonna run some, sell some websites, and just like hustle." Basically, yeah. I know? mean, it changed and my now, life. It changed. It changed my life. I mean, yeah. it's like, like I always knew I was gonna do something in business. Like if you asked me, I'd say like if you asked me ten years ago, like what I'd be doing. Like everybody looks at like cool, sexy stuff. Like let me be a digital marketer and like let me make clothes and all this stuff. I'm like most of the stuff that's super sexy is like, doesn't make money. It looks cool. Well, there's so many people doing it. It's like, yeah, it's also saturated because everybody just, yeah. everybody fucking wants to look cool. Yeah. Like it's not sexy fucking selling appliances and going to a warehouse and looking at fucking damaged goods. Yeah. But it's like, it's a service that's needed. And as like e-com and all that stuff happens where it's less like in-person people seeing it, it's like, there's going to be damage because there's just a ton of shipping going on and it's yeah. inevitable. Well, like by building a business like this, you learn a lot of like what it's like to be on the other end of people that would then buy websites. And other, yeah. I used you know, to be like, on the front yeah. end. So like yeah. I used to do front end retail, like I'd sell online, I'd create, develop product. I used to do, do a lot of stuff for big box, like developing product and selling it in person. And I'd be on the front side, but then I never dealt with the backside. So I'm fully on the backside. But I mean, the business, I mean, changed my life. I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, we've got how many people are employed here now? I don't even know, but we've what, hired, I've hired like six or seven in the last just a few months. Multiple warehouses. You've, yeah. You've, you've vertically integrated some stuff that we can talk about on maybe a subsequent episode. Yeah. Now, and now, now you work for me. Yeah. So it's like, or we work together, however you want to put it. But, you know, it's. Um, yeah, I mean, it changed my life, for sure. But I was just there, like, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, I got that office and had no real plan. I just knew, like, I wanted that space, and I wanted to, like, build a business. I just didn't know what, you know, specifically. But, like, had I never, like, that space, I told you that before. I was like, that space in itself, technically, it was like a failure. Like, mm-hmm. I got that space for, like, this creative purpose and all stuff, and, like, I had, like, one desk to myself, and, like, never did any things in there that I, like, thought I'd do. Like, had I never just, like, took that leap and believed, like, this was the right move, I, a lady would have never walked by my office, never walked in, showed me that website, and I never would have gone met down me. this. Gone, yeah, met you no, and gone me. down this rabbit hole, yeah. you know, and, like, created this business. So it's just, like, I just, like, knew that that was, like, the path I should take. I didn't know where it would take me or, like, what the end result was going to be or if it was going to be a success. But it's, like, inadvertently, it's a big success. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's continuing to... to I think what's cool about it is like because it's not as sex it's not as sexy necessarily it you learned a lot of other skills that now have allowed you to be a better entrepreneur but also have given you the resources to actually not have to just do step one of ideas that you have but be able to actually do steps one through ten and and learn how to like completely start and finish a project now yeah i think my biggest my biggest skill is that i can i can look at a business or industry and see if there's a a gap where i'm like oh i if 
there's these things that I think are inefficient or wrong or somebody's not doing. And if I could fill that void, like I could be a player in the space or I can revitalize this sector and be, you know, and make a good business out of it. And before I was just like, I want to be a digital marketer or whatever. And it's like, now it's like, now I just look at businesses like that where I'm like, oh, where where can I fill this gap or void or, or create efficiencies out of inefficiencies, create a really good business? And it's like, now that's a huge revenue driver and that's a cash flow behemoth. And it's like now whatever things that are like maybe not uh, the smartest business sense per se, like just doing some creative stuff mm-hmm. where it's like it's not doesn't really have a business plan or it's not a revenue maker up front. It's like I can do that because we have this great business. And so like we can now really throw shit at the wall and just try stuff mm-hmm. and it's like if it works great if it doesn't doesn't matter probably pick up some skills and stuff along the way but it's like this podcast it's like oh yeah now we have a space where we can do it and we can buy the best equipment if we want to and you know buy an fpv drone that we haven't used yet and build this big ass other warehouse and there's just like stuff that you can do now so it's like really focus on like what i'm good at and then like then i can like divert my attention to other stuff where it's like now we've built this team where like i don't have to like suck my day into this all the time and i can kind of like spread out and try other things mm-hmm. yeah sweet well, i think we can wrap up episode one on on that note and continue talking about you know all the bits and pieces that make up the raunchy boys the raunchy boys raunchy boys enterprise yeah because there's a lot there's a lot a lot going on we got um, a lot of stuff going but on. this i think gives people a good idea of like how you've how we've ended up here 30 30 figure entrepreneurs yeah well i mean we're basically just in an uglier version of what we could have done we're in a shittier office <laughs> we're, we're actually office the old is, podcast studio that i ended up making in the other this year. office is nicer but it's also shittier this is a very like warehousey i mean we're literally next to a warehouse so yeah there's a warehouse on the but wall not, for long, not for long not for long so just you know if you're listening to this out there this is just like your v1 rachi boys Raunchy boys, Raunchy boys. boys. That's the name. Gotta see if the domain's available. All right. Well, that was cool. Hopefully, it was cathartic for you to talk about yourself. I feel like I ramble sometimes. So we have editing, but uh, you know, there's some other characters we'll have to introduce onto the podcast as time. Do we need to get a third mic? Uh, yeah. Well, we also need to get a bigger interface for more out. Are there more outputs? Yeah, we might need to get like one with more plugins so we can get more guests and stuff on here. All right, Raunchy Boys gear coming soon. Raunchy Boys gear coming soon. You know, be on the lookout for everything Raunchy Boys. Right. Let us know who who should be on the Raunchy Boys podcast. Sounds right. sounds good. We need some kind of outro eventually, but all right, we're gonna we're gonna. Three, two, one. It's cut. Do you have any parting words? Any any parting advice for uh, what, what advice would you give your? We'll end it on a. On I'll tell you. Positive. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. I'll okay. tell you. I got one for you. All right. So favorite. It's a favorite saying of mine. I maybe you got it from Gary Vee or somebody, but back in the day. You ready? I'm ready. Lazy doesn't prosper. Lazy doesn't prosper. Okay. I thought you were gonna say like dream it then your life or something. That's also another one. We can do that in the next podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, next episode, we learn about dream it then real life it. Okay. Trademark. All right.